Hey there, everyone. I'm Patrick Ferguson from Skull Splitter Dice, and my D&D room is currently under some massive changes right now, which is code for I'm moving a lot of stuff in my house, and I need to put it somewhere for the time being. So the next couple of my videos will probably be done here in my editing booth, and I hope that's okay. Hexasorcidin might sound like some magical nonsense, and to be fair, most things in D&D kind of sound that way. But for many players, it's going to be the magical combination you need for dealing the maximum amounts of damage possible as a player character. Hexasorcidin is a multi-class build name for the three-class split, Hexblade Warlock, Sorcerer, and Paladin. These three classes are all powerful damage dealers with a variety of power levels on their own, but together they form a Frankenstein's monster of class features and damage dice that can turn anything that comes their way into a smoking crater. So if this is, well... I assume that many people playing D&D that, that damage is important to you, so stick around for this video if that's the case. Well, fundamentally, this is the already known and feared Sorcedon build that can deal damage competitive with the very best D&D 5e builds, which you can also find a video on for here, by the way. And it has a single level dip into Hexblade Warlock. So, why exactly is this beneficial? For three big reasons. First, it gives us access to everybody's favorite cantrip, Eldritch Blast, which is always nice to fall back on when the spell slots run dry. And with the new expanded Warlock spell list, it also gives us access to the attack cantrips like Booming Blade and Green Fire Blade, which conveniently still work with Smite. Most importantly, the Hexblade lets us use our Charisma for our attack rolls. This dramatically cuts down on the number of ability scores we have to worry about, and instead of being a mad class, we can essentially narrow ourselves into a sad class that primarily cares about charisma. Beyond the arguments that I've just listed, the reasons to play a Hexasorcidon are essentially the same as a Sorcidon, which is damage, damage, more damage, 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 and more damage, all served up fast and reliably at the end of a magic sword. So what are the downsides here? Even a two-class combination loses out on a lot of later game features and suffers from some slowdown, and we're going to be having three classes here, so all those problems are compounded. The build is going to have problems for the first few levels before we get all of our synergistic features working together. A single-class paladin will outpace us in base damage until later levels, though we'll still excel at our burst of damage output. We're also working with a lot of spellcasting classes, one of which is a half-caster, which means our spell slot progression is wonky and slow, and our spell level progression is even slower, maxing out at 7th level magic. You'll never pick up a 9th level spell slot, and depending on how you spread your levels, you may only ever reach a 7th level spell slot. With that being said, there's plenty to work with at 7th level magic, and it won't matter all that much, since we'll be pouring most of our spell slots into Smite anyway. There are also plenty of campaigns that don't have any plans to go into levels past level 8, so if you don't see that happening for your group, I probably wouldn't recommend doing this. Finally, Hexasorcidens are powerful characters, but they're one of the most power-build characters in the game, and this level of optimizing can easily be seen as power gaming rather than role-playing. It can be hard to justify a character arc in the actual game for your cool character who just happens to be a holy knight with a magical bloodline who has also made a pact with an eldritch being for power. Uh, forum rules might ban it, and your DM may not allow it either, but maybe you just have a convincing argument that will change their mind. So when does a Hexasorcidon kick in? The Hexasorcidon functions in basically the same way as the Sorcidon, but with a single extra level dip into the Hexblade Warlock. 
This means we kick in, more or less, one level later once we hit two levels of Paladin, one level of Warlock, and three levels of Sorcerer. You'll be picking up more class features later that we care about, but the build really starts to function at your sixth character level. So what class features do we care about here? Well, let's focus on the Paladin first, and start with their hit points, as every Paladin level you take will gain you an average of two hit points more than your Sorcerer levels with their wimpy d6 hit dice. Just as bad as the Wizard. Next, they also have Heavy Armor. The Sorcerer is flimsy, and the Warlock isn't really much better, and assuming you take your first level as a Paladin, you'll have access to Heavy Armor and Shield Proficiency right from the start. And then next we have Divine Smite gained at second level, and this is the big ticket item for picking a Paladin. Divine Smite lets you sacrifice your spell slots for pure consistent damage when you hit things with melee attacks, and it doesn't matter what class those spell slots came from. This means you can use those plentiful Sorcerer spell slots as raw smite damage goodness. Each first level spell slot turns into 2d8 damage, with an extra 1d8 damage for each spell slot level above first, up to a maximum of 5d8 smite damage or 68 smite damage if the target is undead or a fiend. It's also radiant damage, and if you look through the analysis of damage types, radiant is an uncommonly resisted damage type. And then with fighting style, also gained at second level, your fighting style goes a long way towards buffing up your martial ability. Keep in mind that you'll need to keep a hand free for most spells until you take Warcaster, so while all the paladin fighting styles have their merits, I usually go for dueling or defense for a one-handed weapon and shield build. And then with extra attack gained at 5th level, this is one of the more compelling reasons to keep going forward with Paladin levels, as you won't get it from a Sorcerer. And then at 6th level, you gain Aura of Protection, and this one is a lot more optimal, but worth considering as it's one of the strongest defense features in the game. You and any of your allies standing near you get a bonus to all saving throws equal to your Charisma bonus. And then with Sacred Oath, you gain your first Sacred Oath feature at 3rd level, and the Oath's Aura ability doesn't kick in until 7th. Depending on what build you go for, these archetype features may or may not be a waste of time and levels, but we'll dig into that more in just a second. And now for the sorcerer features that we care about, starting with spellcasting. Sorcerers are full-step spellcasters, and they use charisma as their spellcasting ability. You'll also be getting access to both the sorcerer spell list and the paladin spell list, which have some pretty great applications. And since a sorcerer has full spellcasting progression, you'll also get access to much higher level spell slots much faster ready to Divine Smite your enemies into oblivion. And then at third level you gain metamagic options, including Quicken Spell, which will allow you to really go off with Nova damage. Quicken Spell allows you to spend two sorcery points to cast a spell as a bonus action rather than an action. Normally this isn't as good as it looks, since there's still the limitations on casting multiple spells in a turn. However, as a Sorcerer, you can now use your action to make your melee attack and smite with it, and then quicken out a powerful damage spell in the same turn. Also gained at third level is Twin Spell, and you'll be able to take Twin Spell as a metamagic option. This can literally double your effectiveness with things like touch attacks, so as long as you have separate targets to go after for a low cost in sorcery points. And then with Sorcerer's Origins, unlike the Paladin Oath, Sorcerers get their archetype features starting at first level, and some of them are fantastic for a melee character. We'll go into these in more detail in just a moment, but you'll be getting some good stuff from this archetype choice. And now let's go over the Warlock features that we care about, starting with Hexblade. Warlocks get to pick their archetype at first level, and we really want the two features from the Hexblade archetype that they pick up at first level, Hexblade's Curse and Hex Warrior. Dip Hexblade only one level to pick up both of them. 
With Hexblade's Curse, as a bonus action, you can curse a creature and get a ton of bonuses against them, including an increased critical threat range, extra damage, and free healing when you bring the target down. These aren't integral to our build, but they're also welcome additions. And then with Hex Warrior, this grants us a lot of weapon and armor proficiencies we'll already have as a paladin. But the key here is it allows us to use charisma for the attack and damage rolls of our combat weapons, meaning we can have a damaging weapon with just charisma. With this, we can essentially ignore strength and dexterity to focus on charisma instead. Much like I did in high school. And then with Pact Magic spell slots, Pact Magic gives us special spell slots that will recharge on a short rest and importantly, can be fed into our smites. You'll already be getting a lot of spell slots from the sorcerer levels, but having these free slots to smite away with is rather helpful. If you go with the single level dip, this is only a single first level slot, but you get two first level slots for a two level dip, or two second level slots refresh if you go all the way to third level warlock. And then we have Hexblade spells. You know it, you love it, it's Eldritch Blast. You can pick up cantrip utility like the light cantrip from your other classes, grab Eldritch Blast here, and it'll be a go-to damage spell for the entire time that your campaign lasts. And then we have Improved Pact Weapon Invocation. This is one of the invocation options you can pick at your second Warlock level, and it's probably the strongest argument for making a two-level dip over a single-level dip. It lets us use bows as our pact weapon, which we aren't interested in at all, but it also turns our weapon into a magical melee weapon with a plus one, which is a bit more interesting, but most interestingly, it lets us cast warlock spells using our sword as an arcane focus. This essentially frees up one of our hands to use a shield while still letting us belt out Eldritch Blast that we need to hit with range. Speaking of Eldritch Blast, we have Agonizing Blast. If you do end up with two or more levels in Warlock, you may as well pick up Agonizing Blast as your other invocation. This adds your Charisma modifier to the damage of your Eldritch Blast, and in situations where you're using Blasts, it's an excellent damage add for our almost exclusively Charisma-based multiclass. Now let's discuss the Hexasorcidin ability scores. This is the big advantage that the Hexasorcidin has over the regular Sorcidin. Thanks to the Hex Warrior, we do all of our attacks and spells using Charisma, which means we want to level up Charisma as fast as we can. Ideally, we want our Charisma score to be up to 20 as quickly as possible, with secondary concerns for Constitution and Strength. We want a decent Constitution to keep our hit points up nice and healthy, and we want a minimum of a 13 Strength, so we can put on at least some Chainmail. 15 Strength would let us get a bit tankier with Splint or Plate Armor, but it's not necessary and you should prioritize a high Charisma above anything else. We're also going to use one of our hand slots for a shield, with a one-handed weapon in the other hand. Out of the combat options we have at our disposal, the longsword or any other 1d8 damaging weapon will work, and since we're using charisma, we can even use a finesse weapon like a rapier. Now moving on to Hexasorcidin feats, while you could technically do any of the normal martial-style feats with reasonable results, in my mind there's only one essential feat you need to make your Hexasorcidin into a powerful character, and that's Warcaster. It's already the normal Blade Warlock feat of choice, and with access to the Blade Warlock in our build, it just kind of makes sense. To expand upon that, Warcaster has several features, each of which culminates to make martial slash spellcasting function properly. Altogether, you get the following features here, and yeah, that's that's pretty great. Now mind you, all of this is vital to a martial spellcasting character playstyle. You get much more capable of holding onto your spells while in the middle of combat by passing those concentration saves. You get to wield a full sword slash board combo or a two-handed weapon without worrying about spell components. And finally, that spell attack of opportunity can be absolutely brutal damage. 
it's hard to predict sometimes if your group will be a mostly melee party or if you can get away with spending time on the back line to cast spells. Taking Warcaster lets you do everything from the front line and is definitely more party friendly, regardless of your party structure. Now let's get into Hexasorcidon spells. We're combining three spellcasting classes here, so we've got a lot of options, but not a high spell level. The spells you'll want to focus on, though, are those that can enhance or take advantage of melee combat. Firstly, we have the melee cantrips, particularly Booming Blade and Green Fire Blade. Unlike a normal cantrip, these cantrips trigger off a melee weapon attack as part of casting the spell, which means their damage can be stacked atop your regular weapon damage and your Divine Smite damage. You can pick these cantrips with either your Warlock cantrip options or your Sorcerer cantrip options. Green Flame Blade is probably the best of the two, as Booming Blade depends on an enemy movement while Green Flame Blade will trigger no matter what, so long as there's a secondary target. These are especially useful if you don't work up to, or not to yet, an extra attack. Next, we have the min-max favorite of Shadow Blade. Shadow Blade conjures a shadowy magic sword you can wield just like a normal magic weapon, except this one deals a base of 2d8 psychic damage. There has been some contention about the combination, but you should still be able to use a Shadow Blade casting a Green Flame Blade, and use your Divine Smite all in the same attack. We're also not likely to be getting higher than 7th level spells, and for most of a campaign, your highest will only be a 5th level spell slot for your sorcerer levels. For your 5th level slot, I recommend Cone of Cold for swarms of enemies and Summon Draconic Spirit for a flying mount with elemental damages. Beyond how good the combo stuff is, you should just take advantage of the better combat spells available to sorcerers such as Shield and Mirror Image, and the healing and smiting spells granted from your Paladin levels. Now let's talk about Paladin archetypes for a second. Sacred Oath kicks in at 3rd level, providing access to select spells and a pair of channel divinity options. Then at 7th level, they usually provide an aura-based feature. Then Sacred Oaths don't provide anything until 15th and 20th level, which should almost guarantee you won't be seeing them for your Sorcerer. This means, as a good rule of thumb, that those features at 3rd and 7th levels should be the only ones you really take into consideration. There are other Sacred Oaths, of course, but let's just go through the ones that are best suited for the Hexasorcidon character builds. Starting with Oath of Conquest, Oath of Conquest gets abused a lot in the polearm builds, and as a Hexasorcidon, the most tempting part of this oath is still the aura you gain at 7th level. Also worth considering is that this oath gives you access to the spell Spiritual Weapon. Spiritual Weapon lets you still do damage with your bonus actions once you run out of sorcery points for those quickened spells. Still, I'd only take this oath as a Hexasorcidon if you plan on taking enough Paladin levels to gain that aura feature. And then we have the Oath of Devotion. This is one of the best options if you're only taking 6 levels of Paladin, as one of its best features is a Channel Divinity option you pick up at 3rd level. Sacred Weapon lets you add your Charisma modifier to attack rolls for a minute, and it recharges on a short rest. This is an addition, so we'll basically be doubling up on that ability score bonus damage. Since, as a Hexasorcidon, you'll be pumping up Charisma more than your average Paladin, this can make you way more reliable in combat than you may think. And then we have Oath of the Watchers. The Watcher's Will Channel Divinity option can be a huge boon against certain enemies, as it grants advantage for you and your party against all mental saves for a minute. This makes a worthy option if you're only taking a few levels of Paladin. The 7th level Aura providing a bonus to initiative is also good, but I'm not sure it's worth taking the level dip for, necessarily. And then we have the Oath of Vengeance, which is a key part in some infamous Sentinel builds, mainly due to the Abjure Enemy feature that can freeze your opponents in place. 
you also gain access to the Spell Hunter's Mark, and with all their Sorcerer spell slots, it's not too costly to boost your damage using it. The aura isn't worth it, though, so I wouldn't push it past 6th level on this archetype. And then there's Oathbreaker. The evilest of the evil Paladin Oaths, and quite possibly the most damaging. Aura of Hate boosts not only your damage output, but the melee damage of your nearby enemies making this oath an extremely strong damage multiplier if one or more of your allies are also melee fighters. As a Hexasorcidon, possibly your biggest incentive to take this oath is the access to the spell Inflict Wounds. Inflict Wounds is a very powerful damage dealer that is usually balanced by the fact that it takes a melee attack. As a Hexasorcidon, melee is exactly where you want to be, and a Quicken Inflict Wounds alongside a big Divine Smite attack can take a boss out like it was nothing. And now let's talk about the Sorcerer archetypes for your Hexasorcidon. Sorcerers gain their Sorcerer's Origins at first level, which means you're picking up one no matter how few Sorcerer levels you take. As you'll be dipping at least partially into other levels, you won't see the late features for quite a lot of your adventures, so we'll focus on the first level core features and those gained at sixth level. Sadly, most of these Sorcerer subclasses really don't add much to a melee-focused strategy, but a few really do shine, starting with Divine Soul. This may seem like a boring healer option at first, as it mostly enhances your healing capabilities, and while that's true, and also a pretty good benefit for your character either way, you can also sneakily use it to gain access to powerhouse spells like Inflict Wounds. You'll already have access to Cure Wounds through your Paladin levels, and gaining Inflict here gives you the dreaded 1-2 punch of a Divine Smite attack, followed up by a Quicken Inflict Wound as a bonus action. And then we have Shadow Magic. This is a contender exclusively due to the Strength of the Grave feature you gain at first level. It essentially gives you an undead fortitude save to pop back up when you would have died once per long rest. This can be more powerful for your armored Hexasorcidon than it is the Squishy Sorcerer, and can keep you in the melee just long enough to really matter. And then we have Storm Sorcery, which is definitely the option I recommend for Hexasorcidons the most. Your first level feature lets you fly 10 feet as a bonus action without provoking attacks meaning for the low cost of a bonus action, you can zip in and out and around melee combat with ease. The 6th level feature really pushes you to cast Lightning and Thunder spells, but Lightning Bolt and Thunder Wave are fine spells you'd want to cast anyway. In general, this is the Sorcerer archetype that wants you in the middle of combat blasting out elemental damages, which is exactly where a Hexasorcidon wants to be and wants to be doing. So let's build this thing. The split in levels here isn't set in stone. We have a few milestones we need to hit for the key features, but there's a little bit of wiggle room. To start with, you'll be taking two levels of Paladin. It's important that you start with Paladin first so that you gain all of their weapons and armor proficiencies. We also want to pick up extra attack here, so while they don't need to be immediate, we do want to get a minimum of 5 Paladin levels up to a maximum of 7 if you want to gain their aura ability. Next, you'll be taking between 1 and 3 levels of Warlock. This Hexblade wrench thrown in messes with the math compared to a Sorcedon, and exactly how many Warlock levels you take is up to you. But you need at least one, and you really shouldn't be taking more than three. Two levels will get you the Improved Pact Weapon Invocation, which you can think of as a potential replacement for the Warcaster feat. They're different, but you should really take at least one of them, as we can cast spells through our magic weapon to be a full melee character. A third level gets us a Pact Boon for the Pact of the Blade, and this lets us just bloop our weapon back into our hands, which is cool, but not really needed unless you've got enemies that are regularly trying to disarm you, which I think you'll find is more situational in D&D 5e than you might expect. Next, we want to have at least three levels of Sorcerer, as we need at least three to get our Sorcery Points and Meta Magic. 
the majority of our late build levels will be sorcerer, and we should end up in the teens in terms of our sorcerer levels. To sum up the leveling of our class combo, you should be taking at least 5 to 7 total levels of Paladin, 1 to 3 total levels of Warlock, and whatever levels you have left that should be devoted to your Sorcerer and in order to get the most spell slots possible. So what does the build actually do? Well, everything. It kind of does everything, but the thing it does the most is damage. Your melee ability is also your spellcasting ability, so you sacrifice nothing between your martial and spell options. Between your packed magic spell slots and the multi-class spell slots, you'll typically be able to smite with every attack. You'll be able to use the attack cantrips like Green Fire Blade alongside your smites, and with a plus 4 or plus 5 charisma bonus to your attack and damage rolls, your sword swings will be downright deadly. Just plug any level spell slots you have free into your smites. Due to both your recharging warlock slots and your sorcerer slots, you'll have plenty. And keep in mind the damage disparity between casting a spell at level versus feeding that spell into a smite is a rate of 1d8 damage per level above first. There are some spells better cast than smitten, after all. You'll also be heavily armored. By taking Paladin as your first level, you have heavy armor and shield proficiencies, and with either Warcaster or Improved Pact Weapon, you don't need a spare hand for your spell casting, so you can just go full sword and board. This means you'll be walking around with a base AC of 18 to 20, depending on how much strength you went with and if you can afford full plate armor. And since you're a Paladin, you'll have full access to healing magic through your Paladin spells and the Lay on Hands ability. You've got Hexblade spells, as well as all your other Sorcerer and Paladin spells to work with here. So just to recap, this build is a full caster, a tank, and a healer, all relying on a single main ability score, and you're equally effective as a melee character or ranged character with exponentially high damage per attack. You'll have damage competitive with the best builds in the game, and with access to Blade Warlock, you won't even have to stretch your ability scores. Many players are going to love this, and for any adversarial DMs out there, you're about to get very adversarial. Whenever I play D&D, I don't typically build optimized characters. I think it's just because I dungeon master so much that when I do play, I'm more interested in just playing something that meshes with the group or has a fun character or is just based on a character I've already made in my head and I finally get to do it. But Hexasorcidon... <laughs> Especially if you're in a campaign that's going to be starting you off at level 8 or level 10. If you're starting at one of those higher levels, this is definitely a multi-class that I would recommend. Thank you guys so much for watching. I really appreciate it. Be sure to like and subscribe because we put out new videos like this every week, usually with me in my D&D room as opposed to my cramped editing space. But anyway, if you guys have any ideas for videos or multi-classing that you would like us to cover here on the channel, please let us know down in the comments. Uh, and if you're going to be building a Hexasorcidon character, I would also love to hear about them down in the comments. I really love hearing about your guys' characters. That's always really exciting for me to read through. Uh, thanks again for watching. My name is Patrick Ferguson from Skull Splitter Dice, and until next time, farewell.